Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. How often have you felt the pressure to follow the crowd? Some of us hoped we would outgrow this, but following the crowd seems to be a temptation for all of us that often leads to wrong places. That is probably one of the reasons Jesus emphasized that we follow Him, not the crowds or the world. In the book of Genesis chapter 19, Lot had a good example to follow Abraham, but he chose to go his own way, and as you might guess, he ended up in a bad place. To learn how to avoid ending up in such a place, let's join Pastor Jim in part two of his message, The Power of Influence and Choices. But the point of our study is Abraham, and we'll see how the influence and his choices, his influences and choices to follow the Lord, although imperfectly, as we'll see next time, and Lot's choosing the influence of culture had very different outcomes for their futures. And as long as I'm on a mean streak here, I just want to say this. If, if you think that bad influences and culture is not influencing you, there's great parts of culture. Please don't, I don't think it's all wrong, but there are some bad parts of it too. If you don't think that it's influencing you, my friend, read the Proverbs, which will tell you you are a fool. So chapter 19, verse 1, last week we saw the two angels left Abraham and, and the Lord alone. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the ground. Now the gate is typically where the leaders gathered. Soul-searching question for you people in the business world, uh, or in anywhere, uh, will rising up in a place of compromise like Sodom require you to compromise to get yourself to the top? Is, is, is Lot one of the leaders? We're really not sure, but that's where they hung out. He had drifted away from the Lord, not even being captured in chapter 14 and being rescued woke him up. How different than Bible characters like Joseph and Daniel Lot shows us what happens to worldly, half-hearted Christians who want God and the world. They will lose themselves. Oh, wait, let me tell you how the language is couched. I'm just there to be a good influence on them. Really. If you start to see even a little bit of a downward slope, you know you're in the wrong place. Verse 2, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet, and then you may rise early and go on your way. So he offers them hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2 says sometimes we might be entertaining angels unaware. Husbands, that's your cue to say to your wife on the way home in the car, I feel like I've been entertaining an angel unaware our entire marriage, babe. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he, Lot, insisted strongly. Why did Lot want them in the house? Lot knows what happens in Sodom in the middle of the night. So they turned to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Verse 4, now, 
Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called Lot and said, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Now you say, well, it just says we may know them. Carnally is in in italics. That means it was added by the translators. It will become very obvious as we go on in the passage what they meant. So some of you parents right now are going, oh, that's what's in there. That's why you sent out an email that said it was a rated R sermon. Yeah, one thing you got to say for the Bible, the Bible is just so faithful to make the car ride home interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you got to love that about the, about the Bible. So, so God will punish these men in this city, as we read in Ezekiel, for being prideful against what we might call word of God living, including their sexual practices. What, what, what is the Christian ethic of sexual practice? It comes all the way from Genesis 1 and 2. God created them male and female in a one flesh union. And so what does that mean? We just simply call it this. One man, one woman, exclusive and permanent. Till death do you part or till the Lord's return. You can do a lot of gymnastics around that if you want with the Bible. People will try That doesn't mean we hate people who choose a different lifestyle. That is just the God-ordained, the God-endorsed lifestyle. Now, let's remember, people say, well, they killed, God destroyed Sodom because, we know, because he told us earlier, because of what happens tonight. No, he's already sent the angels there for that. That's why they're coming. And so it's also the sin of pride and oppression Here you could make the case that in their pride and in their wealth and in their oppression that the Sodomites treated outsiders horribly, that they were an oppressive people. Now, obviously, if they have a city with people there, some of these men had wives, yet yet pride and idleness led them down bad roads and they tried to humiliate these two angels. Sometimes, and let me teach you this about if you're a Bible teacher, maybe at your workplace or something like that. Sometimes we read the Bible and we say, man, there's nothing about Jesus in here. And we're centuries and centuries and centuries before Jesus comes along, well over a thousand years. And and you say there's nothing here, but there's something huge here about Jesus. You see... They want the men to come out, to humiliate them. How different than our Lord who invites the whole world into his family through the humiliation of Jesus Christ on the cross. Fair to say in their, in their pride, the men of Sodom continued to push the envelope on their sexuality in his best-selling book, some of you may have read it, the, the Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. That's a book written by a, a, a non-Christian, although he does believe in the Christian ethic. He was raised in the church. But it's written by a non-Christian gay man who makes the case that crowds can easily suck us in. And his case right now is that much of what's happening in our world culturally is a result of people just hopping on the bandwagon 
of a series of bad ideas. But there's no doubt that the word of God wants itself, not our culture, to guide our ethics, including our sexual ethics. And, and here's the thing that ethics, this is why something like the Bible is helpful because it is consistent. Ethics, including sexual ethics, change from culture to culture and change within cultures. And the situation that we're in right now is really relatively the last half century. And so we have the consistency of the Bible. Yet that's not an excuse for us to be unloving. Verse 6, it gets more bizarre. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said... So, so, the, so you have the angels on the inside of the door, and you have the sinners on the outside of the door. That, does that sound like heaven and hell, maybe? And said, please, my brethren, some versions say friends, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters. Actually, you might want to put your seatbelts on. They're on the side of your seats right now for this. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man, and, and to know someone refers to intimacy in the Bible. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Right now, all the ladies are like... <laughs> Let's just stop for a second. Another lesson in Bible reading. When the Bible records stupidity... It does not mean that it endorses the stupidity. Do we understand that? When the Bible records stupidity, it does not mean it endorses the stupidity. When you see polygamy in the Bible, people go, oh, the Bible endorses polygamy. I always go to everybody, keep reading. <laughs> it never turns out good for those guys. It never does. So he says to them, do as you wish, only do nothing to these men, since there is a reason they have come under the shadow or protection of my roof. If we compromise with sin, how did Lot do it? He saw, he moved close, he moved in, and now he's raising his family in it. If we compromise with sin, eventually, even though we've probably been in it all along, but eventually we end up between, in between a rock and a hard place and Lot knows he is there right now. Now, culturally, this is how people excuse this. Lot had a cultural obligation to protect his guests. True, true. But he also had a sacred obligation to protect his daughters. Sin is so complicated, and yet it is so predictable. How often does it leave us scratching our head or panicking, how did I get here? And how am I going to get out of here? And we will see later his daughters who were polluted by Sodom will actually have payback opportunity because their father forsook the sacred, they will forsake the sacred. Now, some Bible scholars argue this, that, well, 
the men are gay and they have no interest in women. That's why they offered to throw their, his daughters out there. Others would say, no, the, the daughters, probably they're from Sodom, so they're not outsiders. And Sodom were typically uh, wicked towards outsiders, not towards their own people. If I ever were to write a commentary on this, I would just write, Lot is an idiot. That would be, that would be my simple thing. Lot is a stupid, stupid man. He has made one stupid decision after another, and stupid is as stupid does. And the big problem with Lot is this. Lot no longer lives in Sodom. Now Sodom lives in Lot. And this is what can happen to any of us. Ah, uh, once again, how different the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus didn't come out from the house. The Lord Jesus came out from Pontius Pilate and stood before the people and faced the crowd. And instead of offering his daughters, or instead of offering sinful people that were inside Pilate's house, what did he do? He offered himself. He said, take me. Take me. I am, I am willing to die for the sins of many. I am willing to die for you guys who are going to kill me. He would have said to these men outside the door, I am willing to die for you. Go ahead, kill me. I'm willing to die for you. So if anyone will turn to God and put their trust in Jesus, that door of heaven will not be shut to them. It will be cast wide open and you will be invited in. Oh, how different our Jesus is than Lot. It will be open to you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here or you're watching us online, that offer is to you to put your trust in Jesus. In the big sinful church of the New Testament, the church at Corinth, the Apostle Paul listed a whole bunch of sins. And, he, and if you read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, <laughs> every single one of us is in it. None of us are exempt. I don't care who you are. If you think you're exempt from that list, you are so full of pride. You're so far gone, man. You need to get on your knees and say, Lord, help me. But then he talks about people who've come to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, he says, and such were some of you. You're no longer those guys. And he says, but such were some of you, but you were washed but you were sanctified, you were set apart by God, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Verse 9, and they said, stand back. Then they said, notice the judgment now on Lot. This one came in to stay here. He's what? He's an outsider. And he keeps acting as judge. And now they threaten Lot. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men, the angels inside the door, 
But the men reached out their hand and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. So look what's happening here. Lot goes out to talk to them. Oh, friends, friends. And they're like, who do you think you are? Lot had no influence on the community. None. He's too compromised. Who are you to judge us? We know, we know what you're like, Lot. You're no, really no better than us. And yet, they want these men inside the door. The angels strike them with some sort of blindness. We don't know exactly what it is. Their desire for these men inside is stronger than even their desire for life itself. For those of us who are old enough to remember the AIDS crisis, it didn't, it didn't really stop a lot of the activity that was going on because certain people wanted their sexual preferences and they valued it more than life itself. We live in a time right now that's maybe a little bit different, but let us all be careful as followers of Jesus. And again, if you're not one, we're glad you're here, but let us be careful. Let us not be pressing for our temporary rights so strongly that we're compromising safety. It's, it's not faith to say, well, I'm just going to trust God because he's going to make sure I don't get sick. The Israelites had the same thing many times. They presumed God would win a battle for them, but God didn't tell them to fight it, and they lost. Satan brings Jesus up to the top of the mountain and says, hey, jump off. The angels will get you. And he's like, I ain't presuming on that one. That's not what I'm here to do. And so let's be very careful. Let's be very, very careful about such things. I'm all for freedom. It was very heartbreaking for me and my wife to say to, our, to our, two of our boys, you can't come to our house for Christmas this year. One of my boys said, why? And I said, because I want to have a lot more with you. And I, I, and I don't want the, you know, this virus thing. I don't, I don't want it either to kill me or I don't want to have any kind of permanent damage from it. And I don't want you to either. Verse 12, that, that, then the men, the angels said to Lot, have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whoever you have in the city? Take them out of the place. Take them out of this place. Then they tell Lot while they're there, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Do you know what's happened here? They've pushed God too far. You know, there, there, there seems to be a point where you can push God too far. Now, if you think you have, it's not you. <laughs> because it's people who think they can't do that. That's why Jesus told us to repent and believe you know, a nation, God judges nations, and, and nations, a nation can only push God so far. Man, I pray he has mercy on us. I pray that he brings us to himself. 
So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, get up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. Look at this. But his sons-in-law, to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Well, if we're surprised how Lot lost his moral background with his daughters, his son-in-laws tell us why. Now, we don't know whether he had other daughters or they were betrothed. We learned that with Joseph and Mary, so you're engaged, but you're not intimate yet. We don't really know what's going on with this. But the point seems to be there was, there was nothing about Lot that made him seem like the real deal follower of Yahweh to these young men. I mean, could you just hear it? I mean, could you just hear it? You know, Lot comes along and he says to his son-in-laws, you know, or they're engaged or something like that. And, and, and they're like, he's like, come on, we got to get out of here, man. I'm righteous Lot. God's going to destroy this place. That would be like, dude, you just offered our future wives to the crowd. You, or, or our sisters-in-laws, you just, you just offered them. You could just picture them looking at, at, at him going, you have, and you have, you have now, and you have never had any credibility with us. What are you telling us? We got to get out of this place. God's going to judge this place. God needs to judge you, man. You're a phony. Verse 15, when morning dawned, the angel urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed. Some of your versions say, swept away in the punishment of the city. But notice as we come to verse 16, they lack the will to escape. And while he lingered, what's Lot doing? He's hesitating. The pull of Sodom is so strong on him. He's blinded. They're blinded by the angels. The other guys, he's blinded to the kingdom of God and the promises of God. He's an inconsistent believer. Tells his son-in-laws to hurry, right? But he won't. And it says, the men took hold of his hand. Think about that. The men took hold of his hand. They had to actually grab him. They actually had to grab him his wife's hand in the hands of his two daughters. Right about now you're saying, why in the world is, why are they helping him? And we're told the Lord being merciful to him and they brought him out and set him outside the city. As we come to verse 17, notice how many times the word escape, some of your versions say flee is used, the sense of urgency the Lord wants us all to have when fleeing from sin. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he, one of the angels, said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Remember that. Do not look back, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed, lest you be swept away. Verse 18, then Lot said to them, please know my lords. Now, if I'm an angel, I'm like, what do you mean, no? <laughs> like, I would be like, oy vey, God, can I just please, please? I'll take the girls. I'll take his wife. I'll take the girls. But can I get rid of this guy? Verse 19, indeed, now your servant has found, if your service has found 
favor in your sight, and if you have increased your mercy, which you have shown towards me by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die. What's he full of, fear or faith? Fear. See now, the city is near enough to flee to, and it is the little one. Please let me escape there. It is not a little one, and my soul shall live. And he said, verse 21, and he said to him, see, I have, fa- I have favored you concerning this thing also, that I, I will not overthrow this city for which I have spoken. So the angel says, I'm not going to do it. Hurry, escape. Therefore, I cannot do anything until you arrive. Therefore, the name of that city is Zar. So Lot's on the run. God is rescuing him from the destruction. Again, God is rescuing him. But what does he want to do? Oh, you want to take me over there? No, I want to go over there. He wants to go his own way. He's still not trusting the Lord. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.